All right. Now, is anybody ready for the word? I'm not sure. Anybody ready for the word? All right. Turn in your Bibles or point, poke, or swipe in your device to our text, which is in the gospel according to Mark chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 through 19. Mark chapter 4, verses 13 through 19. We're continuing the teaching that Bishop started last week entitled Good Ground. Now, last week we learned that Jesus was teaching a life lesson. He was teaching a spiritual truth, a spiritual principle by using a parable. And at the end of the parable, his disciples came up to him and said, hey, explain to us what you meant. Let's go ahead and pick up in verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Then you will understand. How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, this parable is the master key to understanding and unlocking the spiritual truths of all of the parables. Now, for those that may not know, a parable is just a natural example of a spiritual principle. And the purpose of a parable is to take a spiritual principle that is unclear or not understood and make it understandable, clear, and applicable. In essence, and this is the important part, Jesus had the wisdom to simplify profound spiritual truths that he needed to share with humanity in the form of easy-to-understand stories. Everybody like a good story, right? Jesus was the master storyteller. In fact, theologians, uh, Bible scholars all believe that between somewhere between 35 and 45% of Jesus' teachings were by way of parable. There were 30 to 50 parables alone in the Gospels, 24 in Matthew. Jesus wanted us to understand the truth so that the truth can make us free. He wanted us to understand so we could apply it to our life and our lives would change. Mark chapter 4, I'm going to start again in verse 14. It says, the sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside. Somebody shout wayside. wayside. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. Somebody say immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Somebody shout stony ground. ground. Who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately, they stumble. Now, these are the ones that are sown among thorns. Somebody shout thorny ground. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire or the lust for other things enters in and chokes the word, and it becomes unfruitful or unproductive. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Somebody shout, that's me. Come on, somebody shout, that's me. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Now, what we see here again are the three main elements of this parable. First, we see the subject, which is the power of the Word of God when it's sown into the human heart. And it also shows us that the subject is that Satan's relentless attempt to stop it or steal it away. 
Bishop said this last week, but it definitely bears repeating. It is imperative for us to understand that Satan tries everything he can to stop the word from getting in our hearts because he knows that if the word can get deep down into the crevices of our hearts, we are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And that's why he comes immediately to steal the word that was sown. Has anyone ever come to a church service and you got a word and he was like, oh man, that's just what I needed. Come on. And before you hit the back door, come on. The enemy was trying to steal it. You know, you, you, you just heard a, a message on walking in love. You walking out the back door, you walking in love. Somebody stepping on the back of your shoes, trying to get past you, pushing you out the way so they can hurry up. And don't say sorry. Don't say excuse me. I, I guess I'm the only one that's happened to. Come on, somebody. Now, watch this. That is the enemy using a person unknowingly using a person to steal the word that was sown in your heart. Don't let him steal the word that is being sown into your heart. Elbow your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, Neighbor. don't let old old Slewfoot steal the word. Elbow the neighbor on the other side. There you, see, you already got it. Don't let, you gonna, don't let him steal that word. You didn't even give me a chance to say, hey, hey, don't let him steal that word. That's how important it is. We cannot allow him to steal that word. And, and, and the reason why is because of the power that's in the word. Now, I want to give you a visual because sometimes if we see it, we get it. The light comes on. So I want to give you a, 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 a visual of how powerful the seed of God's word is. And I'm going to do it by using a natural seed. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus tells the the, the parable of the mustard seed. And he said, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and put in his garden, and it grew, and it became a large tree, and the birds of the air nested in its branches. Now, I want you to understand this. This is a natural example of a seed that grows. So they're going to put a picture of a seed. That is the size of a mustard seed on the very tip of your finger. Okay? That mustard seed, when it goes into good ground, like the soil of our heart, but in this particular case, natural soil, good ground grows into a big tree. Let's, let's take a look at that again. That little seed hmm, grows into a big tree. How much more the seed of the word of God, when it gets into the deep parts of our heart, the good ground of our heart will grow and produce just like that little seed did. Now, I'm real big on on old school stuff, just having reminders. I believe it was back in July, I had the the, the high honor of, of, of ministering at Summer at Impact. And I said, just take a scripture, write it down on a sticky note, stick it on your bathroom mirror. So today, as you leave out, we have mustard seeds for you. Amen. And I'm going to ask everybody, take one, because if you take more than one, it spoils the, the, whole, the whole process. Take one, put it on a piece of scotch tape and stick it right next to that scripture. I told you, you see, this is your second chance to put the scripture down. Put it right next to the scripture And then every day, I want you to remind yourself of the power that's in the seed of the word. There is power. There is wondrous, miracle-working power 
in the word of God. Look at it every day. Declare that scripture that you are going to put up. And understand that if that seed gets into your heart, it's going to produce a huge benefit, a maximum result. We also see three elements that are involved in this parable. The sower, that would be me, seed, which is the word of God, and the ground, which is your, your heart. Okay? Now, understand the way this deal works is that the sower goes into this bag of seed and just takes seed and sows it. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm just sowing seed into your hearts, sowing seed, sowing seed into your hearts. Hmm? My responsibility is to take the seed, understand the seed, the power of the word, and then sow it into your hearts. Your responsibility is to not let it lay on the wayside. Your responsibility is to make sure the enemy doesn't steal that seed and to make sure it gets deep down into your heart. And we're going to show you how to do that today so that you can get the power of the word working in your life. So it can change circumstances and situations that you were not able to change in and of yourselves. And then there's four different places that the the, the seed or the word of God can land. That's the wayside, stony ground, thorny ground, or good ground. Bishop talked about good ground last week. This week, we're going to talk about the wayside. Elbow your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, leave no seed by the wayside. Come on, tell your other neighbor, leave no seed by the wayside. Seed is being sown today. Make sure you get it. Put it in your heart. Now, Bishop said this last year, uh, last year, last week. <laughs> Might have said it last year, too. He said this last week, and I want to just repeat it because it bears repeating. I'm not saying, well, let me, let me start here. Everyone in here, in this room and online, represents one of those landing places. And the results we see in our lives today are largely a reflection of the condition of our hearts. Now, we're not saying that a wayward, stony, or thorny ground produces a bad heart. We're not talking about a good heart or a bad heart. We're talking about the condition of our hearts. You can be a person that's stony ground, wayward ground, uh, a thorny ground, but still have a good heart, okay? The goal of this entire teaching is a heart that is good ground, a heart that allows the word to produce maximum results in our lives, which means we've got to condition our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to condition and guard our hearts from pressures of persecutions and problems. We've got to guard our heart from from, uh, the worries of this world, from the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things, because those things choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful or unproductive in our life. And the best way to condition our hearts is with the word of God. Like I said last week, Bishop focused on being good ground. Today, we're going to look at wayside ground. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 19, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Wayside seed is a message about God's kingdom that is not understood by the hearers. And Satan comes immediately to steal that word so it doesn't settle in our hearts and produce results. Listen to this truth. 
Truth is, most of us have heard enough word to transform every circumstance in our lives if we allow it to just settle deep enough into our hearts. I'm going to say that again. Every one of us have heard enough word to transform every circumstance in our lives if we just allow it to settle deep enough in our hearts. Listen to this quote. We will all see much more life change and dreams fulfilled when we make a greater commitment to understanding the truth of God's word. We will all see much more life change and dreams fulfilled when we make a greater commitment to understanding the truth of God's word. God's word. That's why step five is so important. Not one amen. Maybe no one in here today is going to step five. That's why step five is so important, whether you are new to the things of God or even if you've been around for a while. It's not about, oh, I, I've been here for 20 years. No, make a commitment. Make a commitment to understanding the truth of God's word. Make a commitment. Be here every Saturday for an hour and a half. Make sure you understand what your full benefits, what your relationship, who you are in Christ is to you. Make a commitment to grow in the word. Make a commitment to understand God's word. Make a commitment to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through the word. Make a commitment to become all that God has called you to be. Make a commitment to get clarity on what your next steps are because each and every person in this room has a purpose, a plan, a calling, and an assignment from God Almighty. And if you don't understand his word, you won't understand your purpose, you won't understand your assignment, and you will fail. But if you make a commitment, if you dedicate one hour, hour and a half, on Saturday mornings, just understanding more, about the truth of God's word, understanding more about your next steps, understanding more about growing in Christ, then I promise you that word will get deep into your heart and you will receive the maximum benefit, the maximum results, the maximum success, the maximum fruitfulness, the maximum productivity in your life that you've been desiring and are frustrated that you don't have yet. Can't get frustrated about something you haven't committed to. Make the commitment. <clears throat> so how do we, how do we turn uh, wayside ground into good ground? You ready? Number one, don't settle for not understanding. In 64 years of life, I've learned that we get what we settle for. Anybody else want to be honest here? If we settle for it, that's what we get. And, and the truth be told, we should never settle for less than what we deserve. We should never settle for not understanding. We should never just settle for not knowing, not understanding, not knowing how it works. Come on, somebody. We should never just settle for less. Because if we settle for less... We cut ourselves off from the blessing and the power of God that is our covenant right. Let me, let me show you that in Scripture. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, I'm going to read the A portion. It says, my people, God is speaking here, my people are destroyed 
from a lack of knowledge. That, that word destroyed in the Hebrew is the, is the Hebrew word cut off. People are cut off because of a lack of knowledge. People are cut off from the blessing and the power of God. They're cut off because they don't understand their relationship with God. They don't understand the power of God's word. They don't understand the benefits and the blessing of their covenant relationship with God because of a lack of knowledge. Now, notice what this scripture doesn't say. It doesn't say my people are destroyed because of a lack of singing. It doesn't say that my people are destroyed for a lack of shouting. It doesn't say that my people are destroyed for a lack of serving. It doesn't say that my people are destroyed for a lack of giving. It doesn't say my people are destroyed for a lack, watch this, of praying. It says my people are destroyed. They're cut off from their covenant benefits, from their covenant promises because they don't understand. Listen to this statement. Part of the reason God's people don't know is because we've accepted a lack of knowledge as the norm when we attend church services. See, that's just, we, we don't understand. We'd rather be entertained than fed. Huh? I mean, if you really stop and think about this, we wouldn't accept that in our colleges. Come on, we pay tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars to go to a college or a university to sit in a lecture hall and listen to a professor speak for an hour, two hours, whatever it is. We would not settle for not understanding what he's talking about. We wouldn't just sit there, waste our time, listen to the man for two hours hmm, and not know what in the world he's talking about. We wouldn't sit there for two hours in that lecture hall and, and, and never take out a notepad or a pencil or, or go at least on your notepad and your, your device and take notes. Why? Why wouldn't we accept that? Because we know in that class, in order to take that class, pass that class and get our degree, there's going to be a test. Watch this. In life, there's always life's test. You know, one of the greatest books that I read, our pastor wrote, is called Passing Life's Test. In that book, he said, if you don't pass the test, you're going to keep on taking it until you do pass the test. And, and part of the reason why we don't pass the test is because we don't understand. Why not take the time, make the commitment to understand, pass that test and move on? Stop settling for being entertained. Only settle for being fed understanding knowledge only settle for getting the living word of God <clears throat> listen to this in Jeremiah <clears throat> chapter 3 in verses 15 and 16 from the English standard version it says and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding how do we know when a shepherd or a pastor or a church is a is a is a church or a pastor after God's heart Listen to that same verse in, in uh, verse 16. It says, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, when you start to increase, when you start to be productive and fruitful in your life, you know you're in a place where you're being fed and not entertained. When you're getting the word of God, you're letting it get deep down in the, in the deepest crevices of your heart. 
You're meditating on it. You're talking about it. You're thinking about it all the time. When you're doing that, then you start to see production in your life. Then you start to see success in your life. Then you start to see things in your life that have been barren become fruitful. Don't settle for not understanding. Point number two, work hard not to get distracted. Let me give you a definition of distraction. Distraction is confusion from a multiplicity of objects crowding on the mind and calling the attention in different ways. In other words, something or someone that turns your attention away from what you're trying to focus on. Listen to this. Satan loves a distracted believer. Satan loves a distracted believer. He don't care what he's got to use or who he's got to use to get them distracted because all he wants is for you to be distracted enough to take your attention and your focus off the word so it never gets into your heart and you never produce fruitfulness, productiveness, or results in your life. Now watch this. Last week, Bishop talked about how things like room temperature, babies crying, people stepping past us in the service, our mobile devices, Other people being exceptionally loud during service can potentially distract us. But those are distractions from without. What about the distractions from within? We must also work hard to not allow ourselves to be distracted from within. Listen to this quote from Joshua Becker. Our world is becoming increasingly filled with distraction. Information moves faster, louder, and brighter than ever before. Entertainment, social media, and marketing have never been so prevalent. They beg for our attention and our focus. In so doing, our minds are diverted and distracted from the more important work. Now, there are two inward uh, distractions, I believe, are two of the biggest ones. There's obviously more, but two that I just want to touch on today, and those are problems and persecutions. A problem is pressure that comes from circumstances, and persecution is pressure that comes from people. Pressure causes a distracting environment, thereby drawing our attention away from the task at hand. Now, one of the ways that we continue to focus on the task at hand is by focusing on the word. When a distraction comes, we are to focus on the word. And and, uh, this is something that that I've practiced. I'm not perfect at it, but it's something I practiced in my life. I think it was about 12, 14 years ago, somewhere around there. Uh, before we were Impact, we were Faith Christian Center. I was, I was the uh, assistant pastor um, at uh, Faith Christian Center in Atlanta, and it was Easter Sunday. And, and just like we have our prayer technicians that come up after service, which we invite you to come up and give some prayer, the ministers used to stand up front at that particular location, and we just used to pray for people. So service is over. We just finished our third service, and we're just praying for people. That's the task at hand. That's what I'm focused on. People are coming up here. They need a touch from God. They need prayer. So we're praying. That's the, the task at hand. And so this lady, I just got done praying for a lady, and there's a lady that's waiting in line to come up, and she says, hey, you. See? Yeah, you. Get up there on the stage and take up an offering for my friend. She, she just had a house fire, and her house is not, she can't live in it. I said, well, well please come over here, ma'am. Uh, let, me, let me explain something to you. The pastor is gone. I don't have the authority to get up there and take up an offering 
However, I'd love to pray with you and your friend. We have some agencies that we work with in the community, and we'll get her into a shelter tonight, and then we can see what we can do to help her get back into her place. Let's go ahead and pray. I don't want you to pray for me. I want some money. She said, I ought to just go over there and slap you on the back of your head and knock some sense into you, you bald-headed white jerk. Now, how many of y'all know my mind is scrambled at this point? I have lost focus at this point. <laughs> Can we just be real? Thank God I, I, I passed the cuss test externally. I can't say that I passed it internally. Okay? I am distracted. Why? Because of pressure that comes from people. I didn't get upset with the lady. So I simply had security come in, take her to the side. We're not going to give center stage to the devil. Come on, somebody. If the devil has influenced somebody, we're not going to give center stage to the devil. The next person, this is what I want to get to about staying focused, keeping your mind on the word. The next person that came to my line, stage four cancer, only three months to live. Talking about staying focused, the word being in you. Hmm? Letting the word keep you on the task at hand. Now, my mind is gone, but from my heart, a scripture comes up. And the scripture was in James chapter 5. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Very simple scripture. Hmm? I didn't lay hands on her. I didn't say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. Every powerful miracle is not sensational. That's another message for another day. Not saying that we shouldn't lay hands, but I am saying that you've got to have the word in your heart and do what the word says as opposed to what you feel like doing or what you saw somebody else doing. So I just said that scripture. I said, let's just pray a simple prayer of faith. I truly believe, I believe in my heart that God is going to heal you from this. Let's pray a simple prayer of faith. We prayed in faith that through natural medical science and faith in God, she would receive her healing. Eight months later, we have, you know how we have our Freedom Encounter here? We had a Freedom Encounter weekend. We used to do weekends there. At the end of the, the last day, lady comes up. She says, you don't recognize me, do you? I said, no, ma'am, I don't. I'm sorry. What's your name? What's your story? You know, how'd you get here? Just started talking to her. She said, you don't remember. You prayed for me on Easter Sunday. I'm healed from cancer. All glory to God, but what, what I had to do, my part was stay focused on the word. Don't allow these distractions to get to me and then trust the word that I've allowed to get deep into my heart because sometimes the production, the manifestation, the miracle, the, the fruitfulness is not just for me. It's for somebody else that God is going to put me in contact with. And I'm telling each and every one of you today, there are people in here that you're going to be able to touch. You're going to be able to pray for. You're going to be able to make a difference in their life that I'll never see. Got to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to get distracted to the point where we get off task and that word that's in us becomes unfruitful and unproductive. Listen to this. <clears throat> we, we deal with distraction by focusing on the word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, For the rest, brethren, whatever is true, Whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, what is, 
whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there's any virtue, any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on, weigh on, take an account of these things. Fix your mind on these things. The ability to focus our minds on the task at hand is a gift from God. Make sure that we covet that gift and we continue to stay focused on the word. Next, number three, start expecting benefits. Start expecting the benefits of understanding the word in our life. Start expecting. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Acts chapter three. There was a man that was crippled, lame from his mother's womb that just laid at the gate beautiful every day. And, 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 Peter, and, and um, Peter and John walked by and they saw him. And listen to this. It says in verse five. The man looked up expecting to get something from them. Expecting to get, he looked up and was expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping Leaping up, stood and walked, and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What I love about this is he looked up and he was expecting. And I, and I truly believe, and I'm going to give you balance on this as well. I truly believe that we should constantly be expecting God to move on our behalf. I, I just believe that. I just believe every day when we get up, God is going to move in this situation. Whatever it is, sickness, relationship, situationship, friendship with benefits, whatever it is, your job. I knew that side was going to laugh over there. We're going to pray for that side. No, no, I'm just kidding. You understand what I'm saying? We should just be expecting God to move on our behalf. And I want to encourage you to do that, but I also want to give you some balance. Listen to this quote. Until we learn to value and pursue wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, we really have no right to expect the results they promise to bring in our life. Watch this. Without knowledge, there can be no understanding. Without understanding, there can be no wisdom. Without wisdom, there can be no expectation. And without expectation, you're only going to have frustration and spiritual stagnation. Got to have an expectation. Now watch this. In Proverbs chapter 4, it tells us how to balance that out. Yes, we should be expecting. We should be expecting what God promised us in his word. But watch this part as well. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, get wisdom and understanding. Don't forget or ignore my words. Hold on to wisdom, and it will take care of you. Love it, and it will keep you safe. Wisdom is the most important thing, so get wisdom. If it costs you everything you have to get it, get understanding. True wisdom, and it will make you great. I'm sorry, treasure wisdom, and it will make you great. Hold on to it, and it will bring you honor. It will be like flowers in your hair and like a beautiful crown on your head. Knowledge and understanding of God's word will give us the wisdom we need in life to be successful. Let me, let me give you some, some definitions. Knowledge, watch this, is information and data. That's what knowledge is. Understanding is the ability to connect the dots or make sense of the knowledge that we just got. And wisdom is the ability to properly apply knowledge and understanding for success in life. 
Okay, now if we can make the correlation between those three things, now we can expect everything that God gives us in his word. And the best way to explain this was my oldest son, he might have been about four or five. My wife was in the bathroom doing her hair. She had the curling iron going on. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. She's curling her hair. She puts it down. He walks in the bathroom, and, and, and she sees him, and she says, Jay, don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's hot. He said, oh, hot, mommy, hot. Okay, hot. Jay, don't touch it. It's hot. Oh, hot. Okay. Ow, it's hot. It's hot. He had information, he had data, but he didn't quite connect all the dots. Now, once he touched it and realized how hot it really was, he now had wisdom. He can apply this to his life. <laughs> he never touched her curling iron again, and even more so, when my younger son, Josiah, was about the same age, my wife was doing her hair, he walked in, he said, Jojo, no, hot. Jojo, no, hot, hurt, ouchie, no. Shouldn't we be doing the same? Take the knowledge, connect the dots, apply it to our lives, and be successful. Jojo never burned his finger on mommy's curling iron because Jay shared wisdom with him. Who's waiting for you to share wisdom with them? But you got to let the word get in your heart. If you don't allow the word to get in your heart, you'll never be able to be successful yourself or help someone else be successful. Last point. You ready? Rehearse the word many times during the week. Rehearse the word many times during the week. The word of God has efficacy. That's the power in and of itself to cause an intended or desired result. It's, it's efficacious. It just, it's, it's just powerful. The Word of God produces success and productivity in our lives. I want to give you a scripture to go with this. In Joshua chapter 1, it says, study this book of instruction continually. Somebody shout continually. Amen. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate. Somebody say meditate. Amen. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed and all you do. Now think about it. Isn't that what everybody in this room, everybody online, everybody in the world wants? They just want to be successful in life. They want to have a successful life, a successful family, successful kids, successful grandkids. Come on. We want to have successful relationships. We want to have a successful bank account. Come on, somebody. We want to have success in everything that we do. How many of y'all know that type of success doesn't happen just from coming in here on Sunday morning and listening to a 35, 36, maybe 37-minute message once a week. It comes from meditating on the Word day and night. Now, I've been doing this for a minute. I could give you about 17 different definitions for the word meditate, Greek, Hebrew, all that. But I'm just going to share one with you that really changed my life, and hopefully it'll change your life as well. That word meditate simply means to think about a lot. Think about the word a lot. Think about the word more than you think about your problems. Think about the word more than you think about your relationships. Think about the word more than you think about your situationships. Think about the word. Here's a chance to redeem yourself. Think about the word more than you think about your friendships with benefits. 
Hmm? Think about the word more than you think about your career. Think about the word more than you think about putting a video on TikTok. Think about the word more than you think about your fantasy football lineup. Let me just check mine. No, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Think about the word a lot. Think about the word a lot. Think about the word a lot. This concept of just meditating on the word, this principle, this truth will literally change your life. It will reverse a curse in your family. It'll set you on the right path. It'll change everything that's not right to, to, to going right in your life. And I say this not because I just read it and believed it, because I experienced it. The first scripture that I really had a chance to meditate and rehearse every single day that I really got this revelation from was in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Okay? At the time, I was new to the things of God, born again for less than a year, and my history, my family history, my dad, his mother, his father, and his two brothers all drank themselves into an early grave in their 40s, except for my grandmother who lived to be in her 80s, but just, just wasted her life on drinking. One of my uncles was drinking in drugs. And at the time, when I got born again, I was involved in a lot of stuff, but I was probably drinking about almost every day, not every day, drinking about a fifth of Stoli's and sniffing an eight ball almost every day. And I started to just meditate on that scripture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can stop drinking. I can stop sniffing. I could do, and then, I, then I'd have a, a, a relapse and I'd go back and I'd have a drink and have a couple of lines and, and then I'd feel terrible. And someone told me something. They said, don't stop doing that. Just keep getting the word in your heart. You're just breaking up that rock. The word will break that rock. Just keep putting the word in your heart. So even if you take a drink, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Wait a minute. If I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, I can stop doing these things that are killing me. If, if I, if I, and I'm just thinking about the word a lot. Well, that means I got the power to stop it. I don't have to do it on my own. And, and I, I can do all things through Christ gives me strength. Got to let that word get deep down in your heart. 29 years later, I can stand here today and tell you in the presence of God that I've not touched alcohol or liquor in 29 years, and the curse is reversed in my family. My boys will never drink alcohol. They'll never sniff drugs and do crazy things. Why? Because they're getting the word put in their heart, just like I'm putting it in my heart. And when the word of God is allowed to get deep down into our heart, it changes our life. So I want to challenge you. 
Find an area in your life. Find an area. Find a scripture to go with it. If you don't, if you don't know a scripture, we'll, we'll help you come down front at the end of service. They'll give you scripture. That's all I want you to get is a scripture and some prayer. And watch what happens when you rehearse it and think about it a lot. It will change your life forever. It will change your life forever. Is anybody ready for their life to be changed in this place? Come on, anybody ready? All right. So I'm going to ask everybody because you're ready to have your life changed. Bow your heads and close your eyes. No one moving, walking, or talking. No one distracting other people, please. Because this is the most important time in the service. Don't be a distraction. Allow somebody to get what they came here for. If you're in here today and you were paying attention, you realize, and I'm sure you were, that we've been talking about the power of the word and how if we allow that word to get deep into our heart, it'll, it'll change our lives forever. Just sowing that seed into our heart. Well, in John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the living Word. We've been sowing the Word into your heart for the last 35, 36 minutes. Now it's time to take the next step. If you really want to experience all the things we talked about, now you've got to open up your heart and allow the living Word, Jesus, to come in. And I would be honored if you'd let me pray a simple prayer with you to take that first step. That's all it takes. Just praying a prayer, asking Jesus to come into the deepest, darkest parts of your heart and change your life. That's what it takes. Now, all the other things that we talked about will start to line up and make sense. So if you're in here, in a moment, I'm going to count to three when I do. If that's you, if you want to get in on that prayer, don't, don't let the enemy distract you right now. If you want to get in on that prayer, when I get to three, throw your hand straight up in the air. You ready? One. Don't listen to that voice. Don't get distracted by what's going on around you. Focus within. One, two, three. Throw your hand up in the air right now. I see those hands over there. Hands over there. Hands over there. Beautiful. Hands over here in the front. Hands over there. Hands all over the back over there. Hands in that corner over there. Hands in that corner over there. Hands on this aisle here. Hands just going up everywhere. See, that's the first step of allowing the living word to come into your heart. Jesus. Allow Jesus to come into your heart, and then it'll be a lot easier to let the Word of God, all the Word of God, get into those deep, dark crevices in your life and change your life forever. Anybody else? Come on, I know there's at least two more people out there. Come on, put your hand up. Yep, come on. Throw that hand up. Don't. There they are, right there. There, there. Two there, two over there, two in every section. Beautiful, beautiful. See, that's what it's all about right there. Now I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. I'm going to pray with and for you. And I'm going to ask everybody in the room, please repeat this prayer with me. Believe this in your heart. Say it out of your mouth. Say this with me. Say, Father, I do believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for me on the cross at Calvary. I believe that he arose and is alive right now. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart right now. Come into my life right now. Save me. Forgive me for trying to live life without you. I now choose to dedicate my whole heart and my whole life to you. And according to the Bible, I am born again. Amen. Come on, Impact Church. Let's give a shout of praise for all those that made it.